0: Welcome to Old Walls House. It's your main man and host. It's me, Old Walls. Episode 22 this week. Got a fun show coming your way. Got a couple guests. An old guest and a new guest. So look forward to that. We're going to talk about uh, the Live Golf The Live Golf event coming up in the Live Golf Tour. Um, We got a couple fights to talk about. We got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs coming your way. My passing thoughts, as always. So, before we get to all of that, you know where I got to go with this. We got to talk about that housekeeping. If you guys, if you don't mind, comment, subscribe, share, send it to your friends, send it to your family. Hit the like button, hit the follow button. Do all that fun stuff that, that helps me out here. So, thank you guys. I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate you guys always coming back. I would appreciate you guys doing those things to help me out. So, as always, I appreciate you guys, and I'm look forward to another fun show. So, let's get right to it. Now, I am joined by not one but two special guests coming back to join us for, I believe, his third time. Is Coach Jeff Slanovic? How you doing, Slano?
1: Good here. All good here. Excited to be back for the third time. Looking forward to my picture being on your wall.
0: Yeah, we'll have to get you added to the Wall of Fame. And uh, our first-time guest is none other than a man known simply as Deep Dish, coming off his first flight victory at the Corning Classic. Deep Dish, how are we doing today?
2: Doing good, Wally. Um, Thanks for pointing out that we won the first flight. It was a grind, but... Myself and your previous guest, Daddy,
0: um, Super Bowl pick phenomenon, got it done. Yeah. Before we we kind of were gonna talk a lot about like the live tour and all that stuff, but before we get into that, uh, any stories to relay from the weekend up at Corning? I know there was uh, quite a crew from the Tawanda Country Club area. Uh, Any good stories to relate about you know Daddy or anybody else there with you?
2: Yeah. So there was uh, eight of us, myself included. A lot of stories, but I think the uh, the one that stands out is the roller coaster we had today. Um, so we played 36, well, two matches today. Could have been 36 holes. Um, our first match was a was a grind. We played a couple scrappy guys, and uh, I, I've never seen someone throughout the course of the day go from playing golf like Charles Barkley to Tiger Woods the way Daddy did today. Um, so. <laughs> Our, our, our first match of the day, we uh, we turn it turn it even, and I, I mean, Daddy went full Charles Barkley. We we're hitting them fifty yards left. I actually think he hit one over a hill um, off the golf course. And, you know, just never even had a chance. I don't think it ever looked at the fairway. Going left, turning left. Um, your hole partner is where we left that one at. Um, we proceeded to win that hole. And then uh, about two holes later, the 12th hole, straightaway par 5, about 520. I mean, this thing had Daddy's number all week. And he put about $15 worth of Proby 1s in someone's backyard. Um, I think he was three for four rounds in backyards. The one round that he did put it in play, he actually hit the green in two and three putted for par. (laughs) So so fast forward, not to go through the the whole nine. But anyway, Daddy plays the the whole nine and just – that was a rough nine. I think he uh, he made one par. So, we ended up winning the match in the first playoff hole. He made a nice five-footer to get that done. Guy goes in for lunch. We go back out for our second match. and He comes out like a man possessed. Now, these guys were playing past us before. We just wanted to do nine holes. And we said no because there's some money on the line. So, these guys don't even want to be there. And Daddy proceeds to go play ten holes. At three under par, we win ten and eight. I mean, I have no idea how he did this, but... The guy went from not even being in a hole to just I was just riding in the cart, and I wasn't playing
0: that. Well, I guess those guys got their wish. They only had to play 10 holes then, right?
2: Yeah, so we were we were cruising back in after winning 10 and 8, and I looked at Daddy. I'm like, man, you're you're kind of an asshole. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you know, we're out here giving four or five footers, not making it a grind, trying to keep them moving, because these guys don't really want to be here, and you're just burying birdies left and right. <laughs> and he's like, hey, that's exactly what he said. And he's like, well, they only wanted to play nine. I was just trying to help them get out of here. <laughs> so, oh, okay. yeah, o- overall, a good week. I mean, like I said, a few other stories, but that was that was the one that, that just blew my mind.
0: Well, those performances uh, from you two will earn myself and my partner at the TCC invite plenty of strokes. So we will, uh, we'll address that another time, though. So what... Uh, we kind of, I kind of grabbed you two guys to talk about the the live tour, the live golf, you know, the Saudi funded thing. The kind of the big news last week was that Dustin Johnson signed to to join the league. Uh, rumors anywhere from you know I think 125 million dollars. I, I I've seen you know that could be a one time payment. It could be over four years. What just starting your initial thoughts like. I never thought this thing was going to do much anything. I thought it was going to kind of fizzle. It'd be a bunch of you know people ranked from like fifty to two hundred in the world, and it kind of happened. Maybe seven or eight tournaments, and it'd be gone. But them getting DJ kind of lends them some credit. Slano, what what were your kind of thoughts before the announcement of the field and kind of after?
1: Yeah, I think much like uh, like most people, I think we expected this to just be another, hey, let's see what we can do, and it, it fizzled out after a couple months or a couple events, and nobody really of relevance getting over there. And then Dustin Johnson, the surprise name, among a couple others that are in the top 50 or 100 in the world over here on the PGA Tour, and um, that number, 125 million, it's hard to sometimes always believe what you see on social media, but... I believe that number, if, if that's what he is getting, that's more than Tiger Woods made in career mm-hmm. earnings in his entire career. Uh, and if that's the case, I know the money's not coming from a good place, but, but, but uh, all money is green, and that's a whole lot of it. Um, and when you think about Dustin Johnson historically, uh, it, it would not shock me to see him take a big pay like that uh, and coast off into the sunset with more than enough money uh, to do whatever he'd like with Paulina and the kids for the rest of his life.
0: Yeah, DJ doesn't seem like a guy who's going to go grind it out on the, the senior tour, you know, for, for yeah, five, no, ten absolutely years. absolutely not. Dish, your your thoughts? Yeah,
2: so I, I was right there with you guys. I mean, I didn't really think much of it. Um, I thought, you know, they get a couple guys that kind of just grinded out to make cuts that wanted to go make some money and didn't want to, you know, ride right around and stay in hotels and, and miss cuts and, you know, hope they get in the field through Monday qualifiers or whatever. Um, but with DJ jumping on board, I mean, I, I think it's wide open now. I mean, once you get one big guy like that to go and, and the money's there, you know, I, I think there's going to be others to follow. How, how could you not?
0: Yeah, I mean, along with, like, the guaranteed money they're giving out, I mean, if they give DJ one twenty-five, you'd have to imagine guys like Sergio, Graham McDowell, uh, Poulter, like those guys had to have been given something too. And then on top of all that, the purse every week is twenty-five million dollars. Twenty in the individual, and then five in the team event. First place in the individual event gets four million dollars. Second place gets two point one two five, which is what the memorial winner would have got today. Third, a million five. Uh, fourth, a million. I mean, last place is picking up 120 grand. I mean, granted, it's only eight events, but I mean, that's some serious cash. I mean, just by playing eight events at 120, what's that? Just shy of a million dollars, right? And then if you find a way to sneak your way into some team money, I mean, that's some a lot of coin for guys like Sergio and Graham McDowell and Ian Poulter who really aren't you know grinding, at Martin Keimer, who aren't really picking up a lot of wins.
1: And yeah, that was the one thing that, that caught my eye, for sure, about the entire thing, is that if you want to make six figures playing on the PGA Tour, not only do you have to make the cut, but usually you got to find yourself in like the top 15,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? you got to find yourself in the top 10% of a field or so, Over there, you come in last place out of 40 people, and and you get that money, plus whatever you're getting just for showing up. So uh, I do think that it's very interesting to see what what happens next. I know that we don't really have the terms of any of the agreements or how it's all going to work. I know there's some other names, obviously Phil being the big one, but Jason Kokrax that have been floated around being members of this, but maybe just not participating in this first event. So I do really think it's going to be interesting, specifically just about the payouts to see who, who's going to be going for some of this.
0: Yeah, and to your uh, statement that you have to get kind of in the top 15. So at Memorial, which is a you know one of the new elevated events on tour where there's more money, T18 got one hundred forty-two thousand eight hundred dollars. That was a that was a big bunch of people at T18 this week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, and then T26 gets 89,400. So, you got to play some good golf. Now, Dish, did anybody you saw on the list of people that uh, really kind of surprised you jumping into this event?
2: You know, I, I mean, obviously, DJ stands out. But, I, you know, I, I would say other night, that, Ian is the big one that jumps at me, right? Ryder, tough legend. Um, you know, obviously, eventually, going to be a captain and kind of just maybe throwing all that out the window, I mean, right? The, the European Tour hasn't exactly, you know, got on board with what's going on, so how does that look for when he, he wants to be part of the Ryder Cup?
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point with the Ryder Cup. There's three, maybe four guys on this list. Uh Ian Poulter, obviously, I think he was a no-doubt Ryder Cup captain guy. Sergio was probably going to be a Ryder Cup captain. And then you got guys like Graham McDowell and Martin Keimer. Like, they could, they were like probably at least assistant captains. Like, you got to wonder if that's even possible. And this was the name that jumped out at me. Tell me your guys' thoughts on this guy. Uh, Taylor Gooch. He's ranked 35th in the world right now, I believe. Um, Young guy. He's not like Kevin Na, who's ranked 33rd in the world, but kind of on the tail end of his career. Like, Taylor Gooch is 30. He's made north of uh, $2 million the last two years on tour. Has already made a million this year. Is a good an up and coming player like that everyone thought had a good you know good future if he could keep his game together. Somebody like that, I I see him join that tour and I'm like, oh, he sees who else is going is like, oh, I'll just go over there and beat the shit out of those guys. I don't need to go grind on the PGA tour like Dish. What do you? How do you feel about a guy like Taylor Gooch? Yeah, I I mean, I think guy like
2: Taylor Gooch, obviously, I think he's. Looking at it here, he's, what, about 30 years old? So he's been playing some good golf lately, but he's been through the grind to get there. And, uh, you know, I think he wants to make make some money. And, you know, the other thing I think to look at with a lot of these guys is, you know, these they guys put in a lot of time and effort. And we kind of look past their, their lives outside of golf, where a lot of these guys, like a DJ, for example, are looking at like, you know, I can make a bunch of money and, and just be done
0: yeah slano thoughts
1: yeah there there were two names besides dj obviously being the one i think we all thought there'd be somebody at the top we did i don't think anyone would have pegged dj but it makes some sense but taylor gooch was one of them because he had just won for the first time i believe somewhat recently um but when you think about it he's not that young in the grand scheme of things right and for a guy like him, he can go overseas, join this live tour, make a ton of money in the next two, three, four years if it makes it that long. And it doesn't really matter what he does after that, right, because he's kind of set. The other name that that sparked an interest for me uh, was Chase Kepka, right? I think there's a legitimate possibility that Chase Kepka, who's gotten a couple of sponsor's exemptions over here, he's played with Brooks and the Zurich Classic a couple times in hopes that Brooks can carry him to a tour card. He goes over there, and I think it's very possible that he could make more money in a year than Brooks Kepka
0: does. Yeah, I mean, if Brooks keeps playing the way he's been playing, I don't think it's too much to ask. And yeah, Taylor Gooch won back in November, so pretty recently. What what do you guys see as the path forward for this tour? Um, I I think you I think both of us have I've had conversations with both of you guys kind of independently on like what the path forward is. I want to see if we're all kind of on the same page here. It's a little anticlimactic if we are, but Slana, where do you see the path forward for this tour, and how does it succeed?
1: Yeah, so I apologize in advance if I go a little bit long here. You and I texted about this the other day, and I think it really is long term the only plan for. The shakeup of the PGA Tour and for the the success of the Live Tour. And they've got to target the up-and-coming generation who is going to have to spend the next 24 months grinding it to even make it to the PGA Tour, right? They're throwing around so much money over there. I don't know that there's a single sport in the entire world or the country here that costs as much money as it does golf to make it big, between how much you have to spend to travel – to play, to get in warm weather, to hotels, the, the fees to play in tournaments and get the exemptions and yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of time invested in guys hopefully getting the break to make it to the Corn Ferry Tour and then hopefully getting the break to make it to the PGA Tour. And it's why you see a name like Taylor Gooch and you think young guy and then you say his age before and he's not that young, Right. So if they can find a way to target the legitimate players that are like, screw this, why do I want to spend my young 20s hoping I win a couple tournaments or grinding it out, making $2,400 playing in an event in Idaho, when they can make 6 ten million $8, $10 million up front, go over there, work for a couple of years, see how good it goes. There still don't know what's going to happen with the majors. You can still, as of now, qualify for the U.S. Open. So who knows what all that means, but that to me seems like if you're not going to get all the best players, and I don't think they're going to get all the best players, that's got to be the, the group that you target. A dish? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think
2: there's a lot contingent upon the decisions made in regards to the majors or what they get, if uh, these guys can go play over here and make a bunch of money and still play in all four majors or playing three majors, I think you'll see a lot of a lot more guys on tour jump. I think that's what a lot of those you know bigger names on tour will wait to see. Um, but definitely, my my thought would be is they're going to eat up a, a big chunk of the up and coming amateur pool. Um, you know, if you're a kid coming out of college. How, rather than grinding tours, like Slano said, I mean, if these guys want to throw some money at me off the start, I don't have to get any backing, and I can have you know, pretty much guaranteed money every week I show up, and God forbid I play good and make more money than I could ever imagine. Why, why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, they've already kind of got a couple of guys. Um, Turk Pettit was, I believe, he won the 2021 NCRBA. Uh, James Piot. He won the 2021 USAM. He's still an AM as of right now. And then David Puig, I think he was just playing in the NCAAs last week at Greyhawk. So, like, I'm with you guys, and I wish we had somebody here to kind of play the the devil's advocate of the other side, because I think that's the key. Like, you just pick off the, the feeder system and, you know, bring those guys in and, like, then the next big name and the next big name. I mean, I guess the 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 other side to that is do these guys become the big name playing these live events like as far as i know this thing doesn't even have a tv deal like it's just going to be on youtube this week like do they become the next big thing without like the machine behind them like ufc is really good at this like they have it's like an endless stream like conor mcgregor sucks now ronda rousey's gone brock lesnar left uh you know, John Jones is gone. It's like, oh, there's ten more, and because they fight in UFC, we'll just pump them up, and then you'll care about them. Like, are people going to care about these guys without the tour if they're playing on YouTube? You know, eight weeks a year.
1: I think therein lies the the challenge to this entire thing, right? I think all the young kids are going to be initially drawn to the financial backing, right? You're going to go over there, you're going to get money up front, and you're going to compete and earn money against the best players in the world right off the bat, right? That sounds easy, and it sounds great, and it probably helps you get the next generation, right? If you're 20, 21, 22 right now, and you do that, and then when you become 23, 24, 25, the next group of 20, 21-year-olds sees, holy, Joe Smith just made $8 million strictly in on-course earnings the last three years. Meanwhile, my buddy who's trying to grind it on the Corn ferry Tour is in the hole, however many hundreds of thousands, trying to make it. I think you look at that and you have a legitimate decision to make. But if you don't make it to 2024 or 2025 because of what you're talking about, uh, I don't think it's as much about do people care about me Right? Do people know about me? It's more, is there enough money? Or is the money going to run out before people know who I am?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, I I, I think for, for this stuff, I mean, to your question of
2: can you become the next big thing on the, the live tour, I'm going to say no. You can't be an amateur that goes there and plays well. I, I don't care if you win every event. I don't think you're going to be considered one of the, the top players if you know, you're not playing in, in the majors and playing against that, that field that we hold, hold in high regard, um, you're certainly not going to get popularity if you're not on TV unless, you know, these guys come up with some massive marketing campaign campaign over the Internet. Um, you know, so that's, that's what I was say. I don't think these guys can, can reach that level. And then I guess the other question would be is where does it go with, World golf rankings, I mean, are, are they even going to count these events? I mean, they got to count for something, but
0: yes, Yeah, else? that's kind of the next thing is, will world golf ranking points come into play so that these guys can qualify for the majors? Will the majors even let them in? And then, like, where do you go from there? If you can't play the majors, like, there's still guys that will be like, fuck it, that's a lot of money, who gives a shit about the majors? I don't really contend in them anyway. But, like, if you can't play the majors, it's going to be tough. Like, you're not going to get guys, like, I mean, I don't think they're getting guys like Spieth and Rory and Justin Thomas or Scotty Scheffler anyway, but you're never going to get them if they can't play the majors. Um, I, I know this Live Tour, or the same group ha, that's done it, has also invested in the Asian Tour. So maybe there's a requirement that these guys got to play some Asian Tour events, and there are World Golf ranking points for that. But, man, there's not many. Um that they can rack up. So I think the, the most, the big thing is going to be and the U S opens just around the corner is if the majors let these guys play, I think this thing can hang around. Cause I don't think money's an issue. Like I think they've, the Saudis have got more money than we can even fathom. I, like, I don't think them dropping $500 billion into this over the next five, six, seven years before it starts to make money comes back. I don't think that matters for them. Like I think that's kind of the whole point and kind of where the the criticism comes in is you know that's it's sports washing and it's Saudi Arabia does some really bad shit to people and they're going to kind of hide that through sponsoring all these different sports things they do it with soccer and F1 racing. So I I don't think money's the issue. I think it's going to be if if they can attract people to come to, if they're not able to play in majors. And it's, I, I haven't seen any indication on what the majors want to do going forward, but any disagreements from either of you guys on that front? No I, so, I, I, go
1: ahead, no, I think you're really just banking on people looking at golf as a true profession, right? You're banking on people looking at golf as a way to just straight up make money. You're, you're trying to get a generation to not care about a green jacket or want to maker or any of these other big prizes, right? You're, you're strictly, I wake up, I have to go to work today. My work is playing the live event here and I'm going to make a ton of money to do it. And it doesn't matter what the, what, what I get for doing it. It's strictly just my job, right? That's, that was the one thing people said about the Olympics. No, nobody's going to care about the Olympics. No kid grows up, wanting to win a gold medal right they want to win the green jacket and at the end of the day if these people make so much money doing it obviously they've found it within themselves morally acceptable to do it given everything that you kind of just said uh it's strictly just a job no different than any of us going to our job and getting a paycheck they're they're just viewing golf as that if they want to play on the live tour and I think that's my takeaway from the whole thing is that these are are people that don't care about that stuff that traditional golf people care about and that's going to anger traditional golf people
2: mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean you can't tell me that some of these guys on this list like I mean, I, I'll throw Chase I, forgive, I think he's been around for a while, nine and many tours some of these guys probably can't wait to be done and, and do something else so if they can go make a pile of money and and then go hang out with their families and, and do whatever their other hobbies are, you know, that's, that's the guy they're going to draw. And people, like Slano said, it's, it's a job. It's not, you know, necessarily what they want to do every day.
0: Yeah, and Rory McIlroy had a good comment. He said something about how at the start of his career, he like now he's he said he's like, hey, the money's not the biggest deal for me. Like, it's nice that I get money when I win, but he's like, I want to win for, you know, my historical place in the game. He's like... But when I just started is like, yeah, I was really worried about if I made one hundred and fifty or $200,000 because that really mattered. And I think you guys both kind of hit a nail on the head. These, these are guys that – and Dish, you particularly, like they've grinded on mini tours. And Slanna, you mentioned like playing at some random event in Idaho or an event in Scranton, Pennsylvania, like and losing – Five five grand to do it. Like, that shit sucks. And, like, every mini-tour player I've ever talked to, because I've known a couple, via my brother and his friends, like, it's a fucking grind. Like, they they travel together. They bunk up in hotel rooms. Like, if you can trade that in for getting six-figure paychecks every week, it's, I I get it. Um, Now, the thing, you know, Brandel Chamblee and plenty of other people on uh, the Golf Channel and other places, but Brandel in particular, it's been really banging the drum about how immoral this is and i kind of laugh it's like we play tour events in in china like is one really better than the other like do you really does that set up does like does that does that bother you guys because in my opinion it's like these fuckers are handing the money out so somebody might as well take it like they're not going to stop doing it so take the money and then put it to good use or something like that dish any thoughts along that front
2: yeah, I, I mean, like you said, somebody's got to go win the money. So I, I don't think it's it's immoral. Like I said, everybody's got a different reason why they're playing golf on the tour. Roy Rory wants to make the history books. Some of these guys just want to, you know, make a bunch of money. But I, I, I mean, if guys called the hey, right? somehow, some way, and said, hey, you want to come play? They wouldn't have to
0: throw anything too crazy at me. (laughs) Slano?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'll take a little bit more of a, uh, I guess you would say, correct approach to it and and say that I I think nobody on here is going to agree with a lot of what's going on over there. But we as a country, we're a hypocrite nation, right? Nation, right? Like you said, uh, this bad. Playing the HSBC over there and all these other PGA tour sanctioned events that, that spend time over in China where we would all agree we don't agree with some of the stuff that's going on there either, but grow the game. China has a lot of people, right? That why is one okay and, and the other not okay? And unfortunately, regardless of whether it's golf or it's anything else going on, we just choose to pick and choose what we are okay with and what we're not okay with based on how we want to feel that day. So as you both alluded to, they're going to pay somebody. Uh, if, if you want to be that person, go be that person. I, it doesn't really matter to me.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think, again, we found ourselves all in agreement here. Uh, <laughs> last thing here on the live tour, you guys going to be watching? Talano, let's start with you.
1: Uh, If I've got to wake up and and flip on my laptop and go to YouTube, probably not. Uh, However, I I would preface that by saying that there's definitely not many Thursday or Friday mornings, especially with now ESPN Plus doing a good job with the PGA Tour events, having the the coverage in the morning. But I think you might, on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, you wake up. I, I know I found myself to watch the European Tour if I'm bored and there's nothing to do. Uh, yeah, I think I'd flip it on and see what it's all about. Um, The big question I have is it's such a wide discrepancy in world ranking players. uh, Do you see someone like Dustin Johnson go over here and just steamroll the field every week? Uh, And if he does, that's a lot of $4 million paychecks to collect over and over and over and over again because when some of those names on that list do play over here, uh, they don't tend to play so well over here. Uh, And you see guys like Dustin Johnson who can T-10 it or T-20 it with their C-minus game. And maybe their C-minus game is good enough to finish second or third over there.
0: You mean some of the guys like Radachan Chantanuwat or Pachara Uh, 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 Kangwatmai? You don't think they're going to match up well with each other?
1: No, I don't know that they would have had great success at Nearfield Village this week.
0: <laughs> what about you, Dish? You watching this?
1: Uh, I gotta be
2: honest. Until you guys mentioned that it, it could be viewed on YouTube, I didn't have a clue where to watch it. I had no in watching it. I don't think they're going to be overly competitive tournaments where they're exciting to watch. And no, I'm not. I'm not opening my computer in the morning to watch a bunch of guys that I've never heard.
0: Of. Yeah, I'm kind of on Dishes side. Like, I know Slanted. You're like, oh, if you you know had a couple drinks tonight before you're laying around. Like, I'm not. I keep my computer down in my office. Like, I'm not going down to my office to sit in front of my computer or get out of bed to drag it up. I know you can probably put it on your fucking TV anymore, but I'm not really going out of my way to watch this for at least the first couple events. I'll keep an eye on it, but I don't see myself getting. Getting too interested in, in going going to search it out. If it was on T V and I could just throw it on, that'd eh, be a different story. But in the current setup, no. So
1: I should say I, I will not be viewing if it requires me to break out a laptop. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think like
2: you said, Wally I'll pay attention and see what's going on. Draw some more big names and it starts to seem like it might be a little more exciting, sure, but it, it, you don't even know half these guys do even
0: get behind them. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch half the half the regular events on the PGA Tour because I look at the leaderboard and I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? And then every week on tour, it seems like the dudes are uh, are winning by like four or five shots. Like today, I mean, we're not even going to talk about it, but um, the only thing I'm going to say is Joaquin Neiman making double on 18 from the middle of the fairway cost me 120 bucks in our side bet, um, but like. Billy Horschel was up, I think the closest he got all day was two, and he started the day up like six. Like, just wasn't interesting. So, like, if I'm not that interested in that, I'm really not going to be interested in this. So, all right. Well, yeah, that uh, that wraps up our lift talk. You guys, uh, anything else going on in your world dish? I know you're, uh, you know, coming off your, your win this weekend, but anything else you, you want to bring up? Yeah, I mean, right, right back at it this week, we got a little, little
2: four-day stroke play individual tournament in Syracuse. Uh, the first days, of course, where it's been the last three years, and I don't think I've shot better than 78, so I'm I'm looking to make up, uh, for three years of poor play and get even with that place.
0: A million shots a day is what you're going to owe us in August. That's all I got to say to that. Slano, anything else from you to add?
1: No, just nobody lives better than Dish.
0: (laughs) I think we can agree on that, and that can be our, uh, parting take here, so...
2: We can't all work as hard as you and
0: Zach place That's all I know. That is true. Nobody works as hard as uh, Coach Slano and Zach Place So Slano and Dish, uh, thanks for coming on, guys. I'm sure we'll we'll talk to you both again soon. Okay, let's talk some boxing. Fun weekend for boxing this weekend. We've got a uh, we've got another undisputed champion. This time it's Devin Haney of Las Vegas, Nevada. Now. He is the new undisputed champion at lightweight, 135 pounds, after he travels to Australia and soundly, soundly, I should say, defeats George Cambosis. Cambosas, who had picked up three of the titles, uh, four if you count the Ring Magazine title, uh, by beating in an, in an upset over Tiafimo Lopez. I believe that was last October or November. Uh, Devin Haney, who had the... Uh, some referred to him as the email champ. He was granted the WBC title when the WBC made a franchise title. Very dumb situation. So he was really out to prove that he was a, a real champ. And he, he did that and then some with this performance uh, against Cambosis. I mean, just dominated him. Uh, I mean, just never in danger, just executed his game plan. We talked a little last week that Cambosis was going to need to make it kind of rough, nasty, get on the inside, and you know, kind of brawl with him. Haney just didn't let it happen. Just never even, never even came to a point in any point in the fight where I thought that Cambosis was even getting a leg up at all. He had a decent second round, and after that, it was it was it was a it was just a wash. I mean, just Haney jabbed him to death. Uh, I wrote down death by a thousand jabs. I think that's a line I I stole from Larry Merchant that he said in a a fight over the past years. But just, uh, just a complete and utter destruction. I mean, without the physical destruction. I mean, I said Haney's probably going to make it a a little bit of an ugly fight if you know if that's what he was going to do. And you know that's what he did. He he didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't you know pretty. It, It leads to a little bit of a boring fight. It's very impressive to watch. Like it's, I appreciate how good he is to do that, to make a guy like George Cambosis just look utterly helpless in the ring, but it's not going to be your most, you know, fan friendly style, but you got to give the dude credit. He bet on himself. He took less money. I think Cambosis was making close to 10 million for this fight and Haney took like three and a lesser share of the pay-per-views. I'm sure in the contract, there's an immediate rematch. He gets a better deal. He still has to do the rematch in Australia. I am in no way excited to see this rematch. There are better options out there for Haney to fight. And it's probably going to happen, like I said, because Cambosis made a lot of money. Like, he's going to make a lot of money again, uh, I would have to imagine. So I think I think it happens, and I think it turns out the exact same way. The The scores were 118-110 uh, for Haney, and then 116-112 twice. Uh, I said to you that you gotta worry a little bit about the drudges over there and 116, 112, that's the most generous you could be to Cambosis. I had it 118 110. I gave Cambosis the second and I gave him the 12th and I thought you know Haney was just kind of running out the clock in the 12th round to be honest. So there may, in my view, there may have been a round maybe. That you could have given to Cambosis otherwise. Uh, Two is getting very generous. But just an absolute perfect performance from Haney. Did exactly what he needed to do. Um, I think one of the big stories from this is the awful, awful coverage that ESPN gave it. They gave us a free fight on regular ESPN. It was on ESPN Plus, too, if you wanted to watch it that way. But it, just their coverage is so bad. The first fight on the card, heavyweight fight, ends in a first-round knockout. Lucas Brown just knocking Junior Foss senseless with a couple of big right hands. Uh, fun one-round fight, I will say that much. But so that ends really prematurely. The next fight ESPN showed was an hour and 15 minutes later. The craziest thing is they have they had a swing fight. So swing fights are are fights that if there's a spot in, you know where we have a first-round knockout, they can send out these guys that fight like a four or four, six-round fight and kind of fill the space. Instead of showing that, ESPN just let their announcers talk. And we have to listen to Mark Kriegel's 87 interviews and his exposés and all their little movie vignettes for like an hour. Thank God that over on Showtime there was the Stephen Fulton, Danny Roman fight, because I had that on the main TV, and I had the ESPN one, one muted. But it was ridiculous. Like, they're, they're standing with the three guys, Kriegel, uh, Tim Bradley, and Joe Tessitore, and you can see in the background, you can see on the big screen of the arena, that there's a fight going on. Just put it on. Like, you can still talk and talk about whatever the hell you want, that happens a ton in boxing, like in the undercards. They're just rambling about anything but the fight. But at least have the fight on so I can watch somebody punch each other. Like, I don't need to see Mark Kriegel 75 times on all these fight casts. Like, just show me fights. That's why I want to watch it. Like, that's the best thing that UFC does is they have their little vignettes, but, like, they keep it moving. Like, it, there's not an hour gap in between fights. They just, next fight gets going. Like, just get the fights going. And granted, this fight didn't actually start that late. I think uh, they both got to the ring around ten fifteen central time, so eleven fifteen eastern, and it got going. And at least it didn't start at like you know one a.m. So there, there is props to that, at least. Um, what else did I want to say? I think that was just about everything with that. Uh, yeah, I mentioned uh, Stephen Fulton and Danny Roman. Um, Stephen Fulton's got a couple of belts at one twenty-two. Uh, he's, he's incredible too. He pitched a near shutout on his end. Uh, he's a guy you got to consider for your pound for pound list as well. Um, again, not the, he's got a good style. He gets into some fights a little bit, but he's not going to go out there and try and knock somebody's head off, but he's very, very good and very talented. So uh, a couple of things looking forward, uh, Tuesday morning, I think the fight card starts at something like five 30 in the morning. I think they're looking at... Uh ring walks for the main event around 8 a.m. Nonito Donaire and Naoya Inoue are gonna have their rematch over in Japan. So Tuesday morning. If you uh if you want to see some fights that are gonna be fun and pleasing to the eye, this one is. These two are gonna go at it. They're little guys fighting at 118. Inoue has a lot of power. Nonito Donaire is one of the best to ever do it. He's got some pop too. Like, this is gonna be a fun action-pack fight. Their first fight back in, I think it was 2019, uh, was a fight of the year contender. It may have won fight of the year. And this one's going to be a fun fight. If if Even if you don't want to wake, wake up and watch it, like if you have any interest in boxing, see if you can find a stream of it somewhere, because this one's going to be a ton of fun. I would suggest checking that out. Also, for the future, all reports are that Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. are looking like they're going to fight, finally, in October. I had said that if there was if it gone if it had gone past this year, we would have gotten to the point where we'd kind of miss the the, the prime of these guys. I think this is the last possible date they can make it. I hope everything goes through the finish line. Terence Crawford's a promotional free agent; he doesn't have any you know conflicting promoters, confl- conflicting TV you know agreements. So it looks like we're set for October. So there's going to be a lot of fun fights coming down the stretch at the later half of the summer into the fall. Uh, we got the Joshua Usyk rematch. We got Canelo, Triple G3. And then we got Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. I think this is the most interesting matchup there is out there. Uh, those other two fights are huge fights and a lot of fun. I think there's a, a pretty good idea who's going to win. But this one's a real. This is a 50 50 fight. These are the two best fighters at 147. They've been that way for at least two or three years now. These guys could have fought three or four years ago, and it would have been a great fight. This is an incredible fight. I'm very excited. I hope it happens. I hope they book it in that October stretch. So that would be a lot, a lot of fun. So that uh, that wraps up everything. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Talking about Haney's future. If he doesn't fight Cambosis, which I think he's going to, uh, Tank Davis, Lomachenko, if they're available, Ryan Garcia, any of those guys would be awesome. If he does fight Cambosis in the rematch, that wraps him up for this year. I said it last week. Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia go fight each other. Then the winner of that can come out and fight the winner of Haney, Cambosis, and shit, if Cambosa somehow finds a way to win, which I highly doubt, they'd probably run it back a third time. But the winner of Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia could come back and could fight Devin Haney in early 2023, that would be an incredible fight too. Like let's let's try and work towards that, but it's boxing, so we won't. All right, that wraps up the fight game this week. Let's talk about some of these playoffs we got going on. Let's start with uh, the NHL again. The uh the Colorado Avalanche commanding 3-0 lead out west. Commanding 3-0 lead over the Oilers. I did watch a couple of minutes uh not a couple of minutes. I watched a good portion of uh the second period was it their last game? That Connor McDavid for the Oilers. Whoo. That dude is I don't again, when it comes to hockey, I'm an idiot. Moron dummy. But like you watch Connor McDavid and like just the way he moves on the ice, like he just moves differently. Like he did like a little shimmy shake, little deke, I think is what they call it. You know, triple deke like Gorin Bombay, but there's like a one deke and like a like a stutter step is what I would call it, but it was like a shimmy. Obviously, there was no steps on the ice. And the dude in front of him just, like, fell over in the wrong direction. So that that was wild. Like, I, I saw that and I was like, man, that is just – that dude moves different than everybody else on the ice. And then uh, out east, my pick, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're down 2-1 to the Rangers. Just inc- – I I thought I had my guys in the Lightning, and they're going to they're gonna have to battle back, so – uh, looking forward to catching a couple games of that as well when I get the chance. So uh, playoff hockey has been vastly, vastly different than the hockey I watched in the regular season with the Flyers. So yeah, that uh, the the skill level and quality of play I say would be uh, quite a bit different, quite a bit different than the uh, the NBA. We had uh, game one of the finals. This uh, the Celtics kind of steal one, man huge huge fourth quarter from the Celtics outscore the Warriors 40 to 16. I threw a little bit of the game on the Warriors kind of looked like they were cruising and I kind of I fell asleep wasn't trying to fight to stay up um, and all of a sudden I wake up the next morning the Celtics 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter outscore the Warriors by 24. End up going on to win 120, 108, so 12. So that's that's the difference. I mean, they're down 12 going into the fourth quarter. That was probably about where I quit watching. Um, Very, very balanced attack from the Celtics. Uh, Brown had 24. Al Horford had 26. Derek White, I don't even really know who he is. He had 21. Kind of picked up Jason Tatum a little bit. Tatum only finished with 12. Uh, 3 of 17 shooting. Did end up having 13 assists. So he, he made an impact in some way. Uh, Marcus Smart also had 18 for, for the Celtics. Um, much less balance from the Warriors. Steph had 34, Wiggins 20, Clay had 15. I think somebody else had 12. But other than that, nobody else had double digits and you know, much less balance. I mean, that, that was the Steph show. And all was working for, for three quarters. I think I saw something that where the Warriors team total like 108 and a half and with like six minutes left in the game, they had like 102 or 103 points. So that's a brutal beat. I don't know if that ended up on uh, SVP's bad beats at the end of the night, but it was a, uh, a definite category for that. So game two is, I'm recording this Sunday night. Game two is starting here now, I don't know, about a couple hours. So I'll be uh be tuning in and checking out some of that at least until i fall asleep unless it's a very interesting game so again petitioning let's just move the game times up one hour one hour is all we're looking for so we'll keep up on all that and check back in next week okay let's hit on some passing thoughts what do you guys say so the roommate had a hankering for some popsicles the other day and i'll tell you guys what popsicles are good I haven't had a Popsicle since I was, like, 13 years old. At Probably younger, maybe, like, 12. Popsicles are good, man. Like, you get the, uh, they didn't have the exact pack I was looking for. They had, like, they used to have, I used to have the Dole pack. Dole had, like, a three pack. It was, like, strawberry, raspberry, and grape. Found some other Popsicle pack with some raspberry and strawberry and some, some other berry going on there. Tell you what, I enjoyed me some Popsicles this past week. It's been getting nice out. It's a refreshing little snack. Uh, you don't feel like a total asshole when you eat it. Like if you do like ice cream or a, you know, an ice cream sandwich or, you know, some other sort of something sweet, if you will. But, uh, yeah, popsicles, underrated. Popsicles are very underrated. Um, while we're talking food, I'd love me some Chinese food. Got some Chinese food this past weekend. Oh, God, a little general souse, some beef and broccoli roommate had some lo mein oh just mm. i really i could eat chinese food like seven times a week i like ordering enough chinese food that you can have it like the next day for breakfast or lunch that that uh, that really hits the spot i think i i I don't know why i love chinese food so much but it's, it's perfect and i i don't know you know i've never had chinese food in like new york city um but i used to live in a decent sized city or just on the edge of it Small-town little Chinese restaurants do it for me way more than, like, you know, small city or average-sized city restaurants. You know, again, I haven't had any Chinese food in New York City. I'm sure that's probably a whole different bag, but I like the small-town Chinese restaurants. But, man, I love me some Chinese food. Just delicious. And, you know, I also made some burgers. I've talked about my burgers before. I feel like I make the best burger there is in the world. But making them on the Blackstone... That's the way to do it. Blackstone, you know, you have it already oiled up. You get a little butter on, just really coated in the fat. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, the best way to make a burger on the Blackstone, what you do is, the perfect mix is you get some 80-20 ground beef, and then you get some ground sirloin. So the sirloin, not a lot of fat in it. The 80-20, you got to go 80-20 if you do mix it with sirloin because you need the fat. You need that fat to come out. Mix them up, in it you add. This is my world famous burger recipe I'm giving you guys. Don't don't let me down. Now I'm passing on. Don't let me down here. So you mix up your burgers, your dry seasonings. You're looking for some garlic powder, a little onion powder, salt, pepper. You don't need to go heavy on the salt because I also like to use Lowry's. That's some salt as well. Then you go your wet ingredients, a little Worcestershire sauce. One single egg. If you're going anything more than like, you know, for one pound, one egg is perfect. If you're going like two pounds, you might consider a second egg. Three pounds, I'd say go two eggs. Helps the burgers stick together and stay together so they're not falling apart on you. Cholula. Cholula. Get some Cholula in there. And mustard. And with especially the wet ingredients, when you think you've done enough, do a little more. Those are the best burgers there are. American cheese is great. I love a good American, you know, provolone, pepper jack. Choose your cheese. Choose your cheese. But don't sleep on just good old-fashioned craft American singles. They melt on very nicely. So, while we're thinking food, I was just at Texas Roadhouse recently. And I uh, always love me some Texas Roadhouse. Those rolls with that butter. Ooh, Perfect. But they were playing music, and on one of the TVs, you know, they've got all the TVs in the bar. I always sit in the bar. They were playing music videos. And I I didn't know people still made music videos for newer, like, releases. Because they were playing a couple older songs, like, uh, Everyday America by, uh, Sugar So they had a video, and they were running around a, you know, a grocery store. And and then there were, like, the new ones, like, uh, uh, what's that, Me Time, um, U-Time. No, is it U-Time? U-Time. Yeah, by Scotty McCreary. You're like, that's got a video. That's a new song. I didn't know people still made music videos. So you learn something new every day. A couple of fictional things that I I found enjoying. Finished the book, In the Blood. That was the fifth book in the Jack Carr uh, authored series about James Reese. Good book. Really good book. Ending takes it to a whole nother level I I really enjoy that book series I would suggest it if you like you know kind of an action adventure conspiracy suspense kind of book it's a fun read you know you're not nothing groundbreaking but just really good books his first book Terminalist that's groundbreaking that book's fucking awesome I've liked his first third and his fifth better than his second and fourth but they're very good books I really enjoy him, Really, I, as I've said multiple, multiple times, really looking forward to the movie, uh, not the movie, the TV series on Amazon Prime. While we're talking TV series, Obi-Wan, I've enjoyed it. I watched the third episode, uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but kind of kind of a moment there, kind of a moment. I liked it. I know I got a little pushback, a couple of my friends, uh, I've gotten varying, varying perspectives, some some were a little questionable questionable about it. Others really liked it. I fall more in the really liked it camp. So I would suggest it. It's the Obi Wan series on Disney Plus. I know there's so there's been the Mandalorian, there's a Book of Boba Fett. I think there's even another Disney uh series, maybe, on on Star Wars stuff. We might be getting a little too carried away with it. Just us uh, might be getting a little too carried away. Never know. I think we're I think we're inching towards getting carried away. Um uh, a friend of mine, T-Man, he was uh he was at Wrigley Field and we were texting about how old baseball stadiums are overrated and this is a hill I'm willing to die on. Like I've been to Wrigley. I've been to Fenway too, but I was so little I can't remember, but I've been to Wrigley as an adult. It's okay. Like it's cool that like you get to say you went to Wrigley. You take the picture of, like, the scoreboard outside. You get the picture of the Ivy. But they're not nice. Like, they're, like, Wrigley's a dump. You get down in the concourse, it's dark, it's dingy. You can't see the game from there. To get to Wrigley is a fucking disaster. Um, like, I would much rather go see a game, like, some of my favorite ballparks... Uh, Camden Yards, I mean, that's getting older now. That was in the 90s. But then, like, your, your other ones, like, Jacobs Field's decent. Again, that's a 90s. But then, like, some of my real favorites are the Phillies' new stadium. So, that's in the mid-2000s. Minnesota Twins' new stadium, that, again, mid-2000s. I really like the, the Brewers' stadium, Miller Park. Uh, my favorite thing about Miller Park is it has its own exit on the highway. Like, you literally get off the highway, and it's right there. Like, you just pull off the highway and you're in a parking lot. You don't have to deal, like, at Wrigley. You have to drive back through, like, four different neighborhoods. When I went, I went with, uh, you know, uh, a company we work with. And you end up parking in some dude's garage under the L train, like, in a back alley. And then you still walk in, like, 20 minutes from there. Like, it's a disaster. And then the seats are terrible. Like I said, the concourse sucks. I mean, right around Wrigley, I will give it this. The area of just directly surrounding Wrigley is perfect. Like, great bars and stuff. Really fun. But everything else is very eh. So, there was my hot take. Back to the, the original point here. He did point out that Wrigley has troughs in the bathroom. And all you, all the men listening to this know, a, a trough is great. Like, you just get out in there and, and find a spot and do your business and get the hell out of there. You don't have to wait for a year a to open. Uh, troughs are second only. To something referred by uh, to you know referred to by me and my friends affectionately as the octagon. Uh, a few years back, we used to go to a lot of Penn State games, and we'd go in and we'd stay overnight. Well, one of the porta potties they set up was like an octagon with troughs all the way around it, so we called it the octagon. I thought, man, they might have been urinals, might have been urinals. but it was like it was an octagon full of urinals. So, of course, we called it the Coctagon, and it really flowed. You came in one side, you circled, you found a urinal, you got out the other. And by the end of the the weekend, it was a little dicey, but the Coctagon, quite the place, quite the place. So, and and then last thing, uh, you know, stayed at a hotel recently in Iowa. You could get beer there. That's not the case in all the states I travel to. Like, why can't I just, it's 2022. Why can't I grab a beer from the lobby when I get home from dinner? is that too much to ask you know go to dinner if you got to drive you got to be responsible can't be getting wasted and then have to drive back somewhere can i just have a nice beverage back at the back at the hotel i can purchase so uh let's get that all figured out but that about wraps it up for me here on my uh passing thoughts this week so let's get this thing to the house okay closing time everybody I want to thank you guys again. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate everybody's support and everybody coming back and listening to uh, to Old Walls House every week. So uh, thank you again to our guests, Jeff Slanovic and Deep Dish. Uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed our conversation with them. I always have fun talking to people. Um, as always, guys, uh, if you can, share it. Um, we're going to be back next week. I, I really appreciate you guys. I, I know I say that a ton, but I really do. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, be looking forward to coming back next week, talking to you a little more. Uh, U.S. Open preview probably next week. Um, and, well, you know, we will just going to have a good time as always, and I appreciate all you guys. So we'll see you next week. And until then, peace.